Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversation with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Are you tired of endlessly searching for work, applying for jobs, and never hearing back? Job openings vanishing into thin air? What if with just one connection, you could link with dozens of companies that are hiring? What if that connection was a locally owned business ready to help without charging a fee? Express Employment Professionals is your one connection. Go to ExpressPros.com. With endless opportunities, it's time to try something new in your job search. Let Express Employment Professionals help you. Start at ExpressPros.com. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from the sunny, beautiful city of Angels. You know what's amazing? Uh, we have some great topics today. We'll talk some NBA with Chris Mannix. He'll join us, a new co-host, uh, new, new host on Fox Sports Radio. Of course, writes for Yahoo Sports. Um... We'll uh, we'll get the thoughts of Bobby Hurley, who's won a couple of national championships and uh, played in what three Final Fours. Arizona State head coach. He'll join us. We'll talk some college basketball. Talk some NBA. Talk some NFL football. We're less than a week away from first pitch of Major League Baseball season, right? And uh, is it me, or is there not a lot of hype in this season? Like, have you have you stopped and gone like, uh, and like this is a year to which the Yankees have a 2018 version of Murderers Row. This is a year in which the Dodgers are trying to get back to and now win a World Series. 
The Houston Astros, who won the World Series, appear to be better than they were last year. Like, legitimately better than they were last year. Their weakness was the bullpen, and they loaded up on bullpen. And yet, like, I could try, but what's the what's the point? There is no buzz about it right now. Kind of weird, right? All right, good. Let's, um, let's get to the topic at hand. We got a Final Four set. We are headed to the Final Four. We'll be taking off. Wednesday broadcasting from San Antonio live on Thursday and Friday. The games are Saturday. And what's amazing about it is I would agree with the sentiment that college basketball's NCAA tournament, which starts with 68 and culminates with one champion in a keep winning, keep playing, ultimately democratic style. The perfect example is, Loyola of Chicago, who likely would not have gotten in as an at-large. Again, I don't think that's the right way to select whether or not teams should get in as an at-large, but if you're an 11 seed after winning your league and winning your league tournament, that tells the rest of the world, had you lost just one game in the conference tournament, there's a chance you wouldn't have been in the NCAA tournament. But Loyola Chicago will have a chance to win two games and win a national championship. That's all I got to do, win two games against Michigan, and this isn't your your dad's Michigan's team or even my Michigan team. This is a Michigan team, nice players, but doesn't overwhelm you with talent. All I got to do is beat Michigan, then beat Kansas, arguably the least talented in terms of NBA talent on the roster Kansas team we've seen since Bill Self has been their head coach. Win two games, they win an national championship. In spite of the fact that this is a completely random, random tournament. I mean, think of it. Think of how how close we came to Michigan not being there. Houston has the basketball, gets fouled up two, and misses. they missed three free throws. Devin Davis missed one. They come down. Michigan misses. He dives on the floor, calls timeout. They throw it back in. He gets fouled. He had three free throws. He makes any one of those three free throws it goes to overtime on a three. He makes two of those three free throws. Houston wins. Michigan not playing this past weekend. Loyola of Chicago wins their first three games by a combined total of four points. I mean, hell, Villanova, and there was no fluky end-of-game wins for Villanova, but think of the foul trouble that Javon Carter and Kanate were in for West Virginia or go to yesterday and Jalen Brunson pushes off with, with one foul in the first half, gets called for his second foul, and the entire game changes. Entire game changes. And like, look, Villanova could not have shot the ball worse yesterday and Texas Tech was still hanging around, hanging around. They missed layup after layup after layup. Some of that is Nova. Some of that is nerves. Some of that is the angles to which and the lack of spacing. The fact is, Texas Tech throws in a couple of those layups. Jalen Brunson gets called for a second foul. And we have ourselves a completely different ballgame. And then, of course, you know, you sit there and you watch Kansas play for national championship. Duke very easily could have won that game. Up three with the basketball and Wendell Carter shoots an air ball on a turnaround. Svima Hailuk gets free for a wide open three, knocks it down. And then their one senior, Grayson Allen, goes one-on-one and tries to bank in a shot from about eight or nine feet. It rims in and out off the backboard. 
any of that changes and we have a different set of teams. I mean, Loyola Chicago playing University of Tennessee, that, that their last shot hits the front rim, bounces up and bounces in. That happens one in every 50 shots, even with the synthetic basketballs they play with in college basketball. So in spite of the fact that the outcomes are random and that it's a weird way to select who your best team is, right? Because really your best team, NBA feels like the best way to determine who the best team actually is. Is it at least interesting to anybody else that with all the randomness of 68 down to one, that the fact that the brackets do become imbalanced, right? One bracket had Villanova, Kansas, and Duke as as the final four teams in that bracket. The other one had what? Loyola, Nevada. What were the other two teams in that? I don't even remember now, right? Loyola, Nevada. Jeez. Florida. No, that no, wasn't Florida State. What was the other two teams? Who did who the hell Loyola just beat to go to the final four? Yeah, Kansas State and Kansas State and Kentucky. Kentucky was a five seed. Right? Like completely imbalanced brackets. And yet, what do we have? We started the tournament, and I told you, generally, there's three teams that are blue bloods or that you thought would be there, and one team that you're like, how the hell did they get here? That's how almost everyone I've ever been to, and I've been to like 22 of them, has ever been. Where you're like, oh, I know that team. I know that team. I know that team. I never heard of that team. Like pick a year. Pick a Final Four. We had the one year with the four ones. That's the outlier. We had last year where you had a bunch of surprises. But generally, right, you got UCLA made it three years in a row. They played Florida two years in a row. Like those were two of the four best teams. One year you had George Mason there. One year you have VCU there. This is kind of... So with all the randomness of the tournament, Villanova was the best team in the Big East. They won the Big East tournament. Only reason they didn't win the Big East was they weren't healthy. Kansas won the Big 12, won the Big 12 tournament. And Michigan got hot at the end of the year, was probably the hottest and best team in the Big 10 at the end of the season, won the Big 10 tournament. And oh yeah, by the way, as much as Lula Chicago is a surprise, they have won 30 games. They did win their league. They did win their conference tournament. So is there some confirmation bias to, I told you this might happen and it did happen? Uh, of course. But the idea that you get a bracket and you're like, man, there's going to be chaos. Anybody can beat anybody. It's not really true. We had three blue bloods or quasi blue bloods, high major programs with elite talent and elite coaching. And then we got one team that nobody expected to be here. And the only difference is you picked the wrong team to be unexpected and be there, and you probably picked the wrong blue bud to be there, right? Like I had Kansas, I had Arizona, who lost in the first game, and I had Duke, and I had Purdue. And we saw how that all worked out. And true, Purdue lost their center. Who could have seen that coming? Arizona gets curb stomped by Buffalo. Buffalo shoots 15 of 30 from three. Who could have seen that coming? So it's one of the... The, the unexpected becomes the expected, but one thing you can expect is there is some expected in the unexpected. Does that make any sense? 
sort of. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Chris Mannix is an NBA insider for Yahoo Sports. Make sure to check out his show Sundays from noon to 3 alongside NBA champion Karan Butler right here on Fox Sports Radio. He joins us in the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Mannix, what are you hearing about uh, how bad Steph Curry's knee injury was? Well... I think by ruling him out, um, there's a lot of pressure taken off. Now, now Steph clearly thinks that, that he can be back either before the end of the first round, maybe before the start of the first round. But everything I hear in, from, from people kind of around that situation is that they, they want to be extra cautious here, and they want to make sure that whenever he comes back, there's no chance of, of maybe what he dealt with a couple of years ago with the ankle, where he's kind of dragging that ankle around. Uh, for much of the playoffs, so I think they're they're trying to take the pressure off by ruling him out. But you know, just based on what Steph's saying publicly, you have to think he's he's targeting something before that. Okay, so what about the rest of their roster? I mean, you know, if you just look at final scores, you're like, wow, they lost to the Utah Jazz, yeah. and then you look at the actual personnel on on the Golden State War. They, none, none of their guys played. Even you know, they're not starting Iguodala. They're still obviously trying to rest him. What's the What's the most likely time in which we'll see the rest of the roster on the floor? I think over the next uh, you know week to ten days, um, you know Steve Kerr. I just saw said today that Kevin Durant should be back on Thursday. Play Thompson while you know dealing with an injury to to a thumb is, is significant. Um, it's not viewed as as something that should hinder him in the playoffs. I think the rest of the team will be back well before the start of the postseason, but. You know, obviously they're not anywhere near what they could be with without Steph. I guess the question is, Doug, is you know how much firepower do they need to get past a Minnesota or a Utah in the first round? Now that may be two different answers, um, but I, I think they believe internally that if they're full strength without Steph, they can win that first round series and then deal with uh, with whatever comes next with Steph Curry. Chris Mannix joining us, Yahoo Sports and Fox Sports Radio, Doug Gottlieb show. Uh, okay. I heard when I heard what Tony Parker said, I yeah. was I was blown away. Right, like, look, it's one thing to say I've had that injury, and you know, just from my own perspective, I was able to come back from it. I'm good now. But when he said I had that injury, mine was a hundred times worse. And then go into an infomercial about how great the doctors and medical yeah. staff in San Antonio is. I'm like, all right, something ain't right here. What what's the reaction to what Tony Parker did Friday? Now, a lot like what, what yours is right now. Um, you know, the Spurs they they don't, especially a guy like Parker that's been around forever. They speak pretty deliberately. I mean, Tony was asked you know five different ways about what that meeting was was about, and he deflected or outright you know refused to answer questions about it when it came to the Spurs medical staff and and his own injury. I mean, the fact that he said a hundred times worse seemed purposeful to me, seemed to be said, um, you know, not accidentally in, in that way. So, uh, I look, I, I get the sense that, that, that within San Antonio, there's a belief that despite how, how kind of weird and wild this season has been, they get Kawhi Leonard back, they can contend for something. And we look at some of the older guys on the roster, you know, Manu Ginobili, probably his last season, maybe not 100%, but probably – Tony Parker, his his minutes go down every single year, and you know he could be done at the end of any given year. You know, there's a clock ticking on this Spurs team, and some of the vets there 
they kind of know it, and they know what Kawhi would mean to this team uh, coming back. So I think there's, you know, they're not going to, you know, beat up on Kawhi for for sitting out as long as he has. But I think they they want answers when it comes to why he hasn't come back. Yeah, I, I, that's that's what I heard when when I heard when I saw his Manu saying he ain't coming back, and then I heard kind of kind of this deal from Tony Parker. Uh, do I think Pop had something to do with it? I do, but I also think it has to do with. They still they think they can win a championship, right? LaMarcus Aldrich is back yeah. after a disappointing year last year. Golden State's not healthy. They're not buying into Houston style because they beat Houston last year. They believe their style works better in the playoffs than Houston's does. Some of it has to be out of frustration. I just does anybody know how Kawhi is taking it? Well, I mean, Kawhi is the toughest nut to crack out there. I mean, he's got a, a pretty tight inner circle, and he himself. Uh, doesn't say much, um, but from everything I've heard leading up to this point, it's just he, every time he steps out there and, and works out, and it just doesn't feel right. And, and look, it, you know, coming back when he did and having to go back out, that was really frustrating for him. And, and I think on, on some level it was probably a little scary for him. You know, a guy that's never dealt with, with an injury like that before. So uh, I think there's, there's some nerves and apprehension here, and uh, I just don't, you know, from everything I understand, you know, he, he hears what his teammates are saying, but he's still not going to come back until he feels 100% right. Chris Mannix joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show here on on Fox Sports Radio. I watched the Thunder last night, and mm-hmm. some of this is confirmation bias, but some of this is just my eyes telling me that uh, Carmelo Anthony's washed. You know, like he's not a jump shooter just because that fits with Russell Westbrook. He's a jump shooter because he doesn't have the legs to go by anybody, and they're just trying to hide the fact he can't guard anybody. Uh uh, they, they've accomplished about what we thought they would accomplish, right? They're right there, four seed area. Mm-hmm. Uh, am I am I wrong? Am I misreading how good the Thunder can be in the playoffs? Well, I think they're they're probably more capable than any of the teams three through eight to to be able to put together some type of stunning run, just because of the talent on that roster. I, I agree with you that that, that Carmelo is, is there's something wrong there, and I, I kind of it's tough for Carmelo because. This year, more than, than any other year in his career, he's been adaptable, whether it's playing power forward or becoming more of a jump shooter. Like he, He's adjusted his game in ways that I never saw him do in New York. In New York, he was implacable when it came to, uh, to changing his game, and he did it at least a couple of times over the first three, four months of the season. But you know, I watched him play in Boston the other night. And, yeah, the two free throws aren't the only thing that went wrong, but that was, that, that was a crazy sight to see him miss two free throws. And you're right about the jump shooting. It just doesn't look like he's got the legs anymore. All that being said, when you get to the postseason, and you know this, when you get to the postseason, you play like Monday and Thursday or like Thursday and Sunday. So if there's ever an opportunity for a guy like Carmelo to get his legs right for you know four, five games, six games in a series, it's the postseason. So I'm not quite ready to, to give up on the Thunder, given that talent level and given how spread out the playoffs are. Great. It's a great point in terms of the spacing in the playoffs, and that's one reason we, you know Dwayne Wade has been able to go to the well occasionally yeah. in the playoffs. Or Shaquille O'Neal late when they when he won his championship with Miami, he had that one game. The spacing of it does allow you to kind of recalibrate, if you will. Um, yesterday, I know it was the Brooklyn Nets, but it was another virtuoso. Is this a statement being made by LeBron? And if it's a statement, who is it? Who is designed to hear it? in terms of his play in the month of March? I mean, maybe teams next year that are, that are looking at him. I mean, I, look, he, he's, the Eastern Conference playoffs are going to be interesting because I'm a believer at this point in Toronto. A lot of people I know are not. Um, I'm not a believer in Boston anymore, but 
I mean, who the hell knows if the Celtics wind up the two seed and, and Cleveland winds up four, they could get a free ride to the, not a free ride, but they're going to easier walk to the conference finals and maybe have everybody back by, by that time. But, you know, LeBron to me is, is, is having a magnificent offensive year, but the Cavs' defensive woes are mirrored by his own. I mean, I saw them play a couple of times recently, most recently in Portland, and, you know, his, his defensive game is just about as bad as it's been at any point in time during his career. And, you know, there's a perception out there amongst whether it's ex-players, and I talked to Karan Butler about this, or, uh, uh, you know, other, you know, scouts and coaches, that he'll just dial it up to a 10 in the postseason because he can. I'm just not sold on that yet. They're the 29th-ranked defensive team in the league, and they've been that way the entire season. We're all expected to believe that because the, play, the calendar turns to mid-April, that LeBron and the Cavs are going to play at the, the highest of levels. I, I just don't buy it. I think they kind of are what they are right now. And maybe they get through a first round pretty easily. But once that second round comes along, I think they're ripe for a taking. I tend to agree. I, I agree with you. I, it's also, he does, he gets a pass defensively because, and Jordan would get some of this as well, because of some of the spectacular plays he makes. Whereas if, like you and me, you know, you and I, we watch the actual game, there are plenty of times to which he's taking a break on defense. And, uh, and, and look, so that gets ex- that gets exposed in the regular season. He's taking a break, and he's they're not good enough for him to take plays off defensively. And and then the break. I mean, look, you say taking a break. I mean, they're playing five on four sometimes. He's just not. He's just not making any effort. I, I saw like take the Portland game for an example. You know, I saw him make two of the worst defensive plays I've ever seen. There was one inside pass to Yusuf Nurkic. He was five feet away. Nurkic fumbled the ball, and LeBron just kind of looked at him and, and waved his teammates toward him, like somebody else go down there. And get him. End of the first quarter, a basic driving kick from McCollum to Aminu. Uh, LeBron was defending Aminu. He made no effort to go out there and chase him uh, beyond the three-point line. Aminu made the open three. I mean, these are, are just basic effort plays. And look, like you said, I understand it because he has to carry and shoulder such an offensive burden. But, but we're expecting, and, and again, we talk about the spacing, and that's fine. But in the playoffs, he's going to play 48 minutes of high-level defense combined with 48 minutes or whatever it is of high-level offense. I don't know. That just strains credulity for me to actually believe. Tend to agree with you. All right. So, what about Kyrie Irving? He had his knee scoped. Uh, what's his most likely return date? Well, I mean, uh, from what I gather, and and I was talking to somebody about this last night. Like, it, you know, you know, three weeks is 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 when he gets basketball related activities. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I have a hard time seeing him. You know, even. You know, middle of the first round, maybe. I think that might be optimistic. I mean, I guess you don't know anything until a guy starts to really heal. But I would guess middle of the first round might be the, the earliest t- time for him to come back. And, and when he does, how long is it going to take him to kind of get his legs <laughs> excuse me, under him to some degree? But my question about this, Doug, is, and I, and I brought this up to a couple of people uh, you know, familiar with this situation, and I understand the thinking of, you know, you have surgery when it's so overwhelming that you can't deal with the pain anymore. And that's where Kyrie came from. He was dealing with too much pain that he couldn't go through it anymore. But my question is, when you traded for him, you kind of knew. I mean, whether, how much you knew, but you kind of knew that he was going to need some kind of procedure, right, to, to deal with whatever was, was in that knee, the wire, as it turns out, whatever it is. Right. You know, he was dealing with irritation back in February. Why not have this procedure back in February? If you have a sense or any kind of feeling that maybe you needed to have this procedure done, why wait until it becomes so overwhelming in late March and, and have to potentially lose Kyrie Irving for the only playoff series you've got? I mean, Boston could lose in the first round without Kyrie Irving. I, I love Terry Rozier, and Brad Stevens, I thought, 
is like the MVP of this recent road trip that they're on because of how he's coached. But without Kyrie Irving in the playoffs, you could go down in the first round. I just, I kind of wonder why wasn't this procedure done earlier so you wouldn't have to deal with this in the postseason? It's a, it's a great, great question. It really is a great question. I wish I had an, an answer for you. I mean, I guess nobody the, does. Look, and, and look, Doug, I, I've talked to the people around the situation, and, and you know, the the, the 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 consistent message I'm getting is like, look, we we don't. It wasn't to the point where we thought he'd need right, surgery right, right now, and, and, and he clearly does at this point. But, man, uh, your whole season could go down the drain because you wait a little bit too long. I just think it's a fair question to ask. It's a very fair question to ask. Chris Mannix, check him out on weekends, noon to 3 Eastern time, every Sunday right here on Fox Sports Radio. Read his work in Yahoo Sports. Of course, follow him on Twitter. Uh, he's got some uh, video stuff as well that, that's excellent, video podcasts as well that's, that's excellent. Mannix, thanks so much for joining us. Anytime, Doug. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Uh, we're headed to San Antonio, and the good part of San Antonio is Riverwalk. Great place for the Final Four. Weather's good. People are nice. Tex-Mex. Alamo. I could do without any more Charles Barkley, Spike Lee, and... Uh, uh, what's his name? Commercials. Samuel L. Samuel Jackson. L. Jackson. Right. I can do without those. Outside of that, San Antonio, great site for the Final Four. Great. Not good. Great. Um, on the other hand, on the downside, you have the Spurs, who we never hear anything about. Still don't have Kawhi Leonard. Friday, Tony Parker, who suffered a similar injury to Kawhi Leonard, had this to say. I've been through it. It was a rehab for me too for eight months, you know, so same kind of injury. Uh, my mind was a hundred times worse, but the same kind of injury and uh, just try to stay positive. So when I did my injury, 48 hours, I was in surgery. I didn't take like two weeks and go uh, through options and stuff like that. For me, it was a no-brainer because I feel like we have the best uh, medical team uh, in the world. That's a wow. I had the same injury. Only it was a hundred times worse. I am so tough. I am so much tougher and braver and smarter than Kawhi Leonard. Like they're on the same basketball team. They work for the same franchise, for the same owner in the same city. And that's what was said. You know, I had the same injury. It was a hundred times worse, but I had the same. He sounds like old man. In my day, it snowed and we had to walk uphill to and from school. It was uphill both ways. You know, back in France, I was brought up where you were in tough neighborhood. I asked the policeman, how long a week work to the metro? He said, I don't know. Nobody ever made it. That's how tough a, a life I had growing up in Paris. Right? That's what he basically said. That's also what's known as the beginning of the end, or maybe it's the middle of the beginning to the end of Kawhi Leonard and leaving San Antonio. Pop called him out. Pop said, don't expect him back. And then Manu fell in line. And then Tony Parker goes, I had the same injury. He was a hundred times worse. And look at me. I'm okay now. That's what he said. That is what he said. Amazing. Really, really amazing. 
I mean, like, look, there's things you don't do about your teammates, things you don't air about your teammates. The thing, we talk about this all the time on the show, right? Like, I don't tell people how to pray. I don't tell people how to mourn. I, I try not to tell people how to spend money, like what to spend your money on. I don't go like, oh, that was a bad purchase. I'll self-deprecate. I'll say, hey, me like any other dude would, uh, you know, when we're young, we spend money on rims and tires, right? Boy, I wish I had gotten that back. When I played in France, I got a pair of Armani jeans, way too tight, way too expensive, not useful at all. That was before tight jeans were in. And by the time tight jeans were in, I didn't have them anymore. But I don't. I try not to criticize how other people pray, mourn, spend their money. You know what? In the NBA, in professional sports, you don't talk about somebody else's injuries. It's like talking about their family. And if you want to draw reference to having a similar injury, just say, I had a similar injury, and here's what I went through to rehab. You don't say it was 100 times worse, and I used our doctors right away. I did not take time off. Because obviously he's saying that Kawhi had the surgery, took a couple weeks, and then decided who he was going to use. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. A lot to get to with our next guest. So Final Four is set. We're headed to San Antonio. Be there Thursday and Friday. And a guy who has played in three of them and a guy whose team beat Kansas on their own home floor when they were the hottest team in the world earlier this year is Bobby Hurley. He joins us, the two-time national champion, joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Bobby, how are you? Pretty good, Doug. How you doing? Good, man. Um, have you taken, has it, has it been long enough to process what happened to your team from 13-0 and until how it ended in the first four? Well, I mean, I, I'm not into making a ton of excuses. I, I've still been searching. Um, you know, we were like one minute away in that Arizona game and a one possession game in Arizona from being the number one team in the country uh, on Monday morning after uh, some other teams had lost that day. We were the last uh, undefeated team. But, uh, you know, Pac-12 league play is tough. I mean, it's a legit conference. I know some of uh, the teams underperformed in the non-conference and, and hurt and hurt our overall perception. But, uh you know, we started five of the first on the road. We started at Arizona and just were, were fighting an uphill battle, just had lost some games early in the league. And, uh, you know, we lost a lot of close games and, uh, we weren't able to close games out, whether it was missed free throws or, or coming up with a big basket. And ironically, that's how our season ended with, uh, you know, with losing to Syracuse and, you know, had chances there late in the game to, uh, to advance and it just wasn't meant to be but uh overall i think it's a great step for our program and uh and where things are headed in terms of uh an overview of the entire season and not just like one half of the year yeah and the other thing is like look your and your team was this to an nth degree but the idea of playing small ball i mean like look uh michigan plays four out with one big guy plays at the top of the key right uh kansas yeah. sometimes plays with one big guy has played a, a, a substantial uh, portion of the year without a big guy um you know Villanova was kind of the first to make a final four run with four guards and they generally play they sometimes play five guys their best post players their point guard um yeah. you know so you look around and and Loyola plays all their guys can pass dribble and shoot and they play outside the yeah. three-point line so it's 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 not like your style isn't capable of winning matter of fact other people have won with that style is it it was there anything differently you could have done personnel wise 
I just think, um, you know, we, we were really small. I mean, we played four guards, you know, in the games you talk about beating Kansas at Kansas and, and Xavier in, in, in a tournament in Vegas. We, uh, you know, we had Remy Martin, who's, uh, who's six feet, Shannon Evans, who's six feet, Trey Holder, who's six feet, uh, and then Cody Justice is, uh, is a lean six four. So, uh, that was a lot of the guys that were playing major minutes and then, you know, had a freshman, Ramella White, uh, you know, at the center, and, and those were <clears throat> at times our best lineup. But uh, while that's happening, you really sacrifice uh, some things defensively. And if you can't turn teams over effectively with using your quickness, then you know you lose it around the basket with rebounding and uh, and protection in the paint. So, you know, I, I think that we're uh, we're going to be a different team next year. We're going to have a little more size, uh, you know, on our perimeter, and uh, I think that's the difference with Kansas. I think Kansas kind of mastered, you know, the four guards. But, you know, if you look at, you know, Graham's got good size, Vic good size, Newman, and then and Zvi is, is like 6'7". So they have, you know, a four-guard al- alignment that is, uh, you know, that just is, is bigger. And it's, uh, you know, consequently more effective and, and probably, you know, better on defense. Bobby Hurley joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Do you remember... Winning the two nat- of the of the four final games you played of seasons at Duke, three ended in the final four. All all three final four ended in the championship game, so you never lost the semifinal. And then, of course, you lost in the second round to Cal your senior season. What game is most vivid when you search your memories? Uh, it depends how you want to feel. <laughs> you know, if you want to feel good, it's it's uh, you know it's the Kansas game, and it was one of my great memories. Just. Uh, all the work, all the sacrifice, uh, you know, even the suffering of the year before, the humiliation of losing uh, to Vegas uh, like we did my freshman year and, uh, and to the next year come back and, and beat Vegas and then, and then go on and beat Kansas. And, you know, I grew up maybe like you did, Doug, just like dreaming of playing in a Final Four and, and winning a national championship. I, uh, you know, watched the 80s, uh, Michael Jordan's team and Patrick Ewing and NC State upset and Villanova upset. And those were the things that I wanted to do as a player. They were, they were more important to me maybe than even getting to the NBA. So to do that, it was, it was special. But, uh, also as a competitor and as an athlete, you, you remember your greatest failures too. And, uh, you know, I'll never forget how I felt after that first, uh, UNLV game my freshman year. Okay. Your freshman year, you played UNLV. Uh, you guys, I mean, got just annihilated in uh, in in Denver. It was in altitude, but you were also sick, right? There's the famous video of you running to the bathroom um, yeah. during during the game. Um, with with I, like, I don't want you to spare details, but you can spare some some detail. Like, how sick were you? Well, I mean, I'm sure it was something to do, you know, maybe with the altitude, but also, you know, we played Arkansas, and they, they, it was like 40 minutes of hell, so they were you know, picking us up and trapping and, uh, you know, uh, it, it certainly wasn't nerves. I never really got nervous like that to play. So we just wasn't feeling well, uh, in that game, kind of pushed through that game. I remember, you know, being on IVs, you know, after the game, uh, and then the following day to, you know, to try and recover and get ready to play Monday night again. And, uh, so I think that game on Saturday took a lot out of us. You know, Arkansas was really good and, and um, you know we just weren't ready for for what UNLV brought and how good they were. They just uh, you know they took it to a different level. And you know, I remember Coach K left me in that game and just let me soak it in and you know absorb losing and, and how it felt and uh, and the humiliation of it. I think uh, you know that 
you know, just embracing that failure was something that helped me uh, the next year in terms of, uh, you know, turning the script uh, in the final four of my sophomore year. All right, the juxtaposition of that, because you took on a UNLV team that was undefeated, and they had to have that one close game against Ball State, I remember, I think, in the, the, the second round. Uh, but it was a titanic showdown. It was a semifinal. What do you remember about the prep for the following year? The, year, the game before you won the national championship against Kansas, what do you remember? Yeah. I just remember how great Coach K was and getting us ready to play. And you know, he uh, talked. He didn't. He didn't try and avoid what happened. You know, the year before he talked about it, but he said we're a different team and and we're ready for this moment. We, you know, we had come into into that final four, you know, winning a couple of double digit games. We were beating teams pretty handily, so we had a lot of confidence. And then, uh, you know, we just didn't want to feel the way we felt, and you know, we certainly respected UNLV and how talented they were. And you know, they proved that to me. I mean, it was, you know, that was the best team that, that I faced, uh, you know, as a player. Just they had NBA dudes on that team and uh, and great coach and undefeated and the whole thing. But, uh, you know, we were determined. You know, we were mentally tough. We, we responded to any challenge they, they had. Uh, they hadn't been in any close games. You know, we had been in a ton of close games. So I think we were just more, more ready to win down the stretch uh, in that game than they were. Okay, so, and I think this is going to be a challenge this year. Bobby Hurley joining us, two-time national champion, head coach of Arizona State. I think this will be a challenge this year for either Kansas or Villanova because that looks like that could be a national championship game. Somebody's going to have to get ready to play Monday night. You end up beating UNLV, a team that beat you by 31 the year before, hadn't lost a game. You guys beat UNLV. How do you not celebrate and lose track of there's another game to be played? Well, because, uh, you know, you got to have the discipline and, and, and the focus on the stand. And, like, we went back to our hotel, and it was chaos. It was uh, our people couldn't believe that we just won that game, and people were going crazy. It was Saturday night, you know, and, and, and we just knew that, that we were on a mission at that point to finish it off, that, um, you know, it wouldn't have been looked upon the same way if we didn't go take care of business on Monday night and win a national championship. And uh, so we sacrificed you know, enjoying it the way others did that night. And, you know, I know that we went back to our room and, and got our rest and recovered. And we just brought like a whole different level of confidence into that championship game just because of the level of game that we played, you know, to beat UNLV. You know, it definitely helped us. Just uh, we, we knew that we couldn't lose that game if we, if we prepared and, uh, and and we did, and and we were ready to go on Monday night. All right, the next year I was I was at that game, and then I was that was in Indy, and of course the next year was in Minneapolis in the Twin Cities, where the Final Four is going to be next year. Um, was it as much fun to do it a second time again? I mean, the first time was the best feeling because you, again you, you, you're uh, experiencing it for the first time. You're the last team standing. It's uh, you know our, our team was an up and down year. We had lost some games. We, uh, believe we got you know lost uh, got blown out in the ACC championship tournament final so there were a lot of adversity to go with you know the season as a whole and to be and to overcome you know beating the UNLV team that no one gave us a chance to win that game and me maybe there was even some self-doubt going in as well uh but to do that it was such a surprising you know 48 hours for us and uh and to be champion was special and the following year was it was different I think we we realized, you know, how good we were. That you know, our, our first championship was a fluke. That that we wanted to do something that the team hadn't done since UCLA, and uh, you know, we just uh, you know we wanted to attack people all year, and that's kind of what we did. What do you remember about winning that one? 
it was uh, just uh, you know, a little bit tired <laughs> at the end. I think it's different when, when you're taking everyone's best shot. And, you know, Duke as a program normally gets that anyway, but when you're, you know, when you're a defending champion, you, you're, you're going to get everyone's best. And we got it like all year. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, we had the Kentucky game where we're uh, in, in the Elite Eight that could have went either way, obviously, and, and just a dramatic shot and the emotion with that. And then to go to the Final Four and have to beat Indiana, the great team coached by Bobby Knight, and, and then the Fab Five. So there was just a lot of, you know, emotion associated with everything. So just winning was almost like you took a deep breath and said, all right, you know, we did it. You know, we accomplished it. It wasn't as, as, uh, as dramatic as as the first championship. You know that that's the that's the thing I think that is most undersold about both of your national championships is that is that you there were no you didn't have any easy paths that just opened up for you, right? Like the first the first year you won it, you had to beat Arkansas and then you had to beat Vegas. The second year, you had to beat the Unforgettables in Kentucky in one of the best basketball games anyone's ever seen, and then of course you had to beat Indiana and Bob Knight, and then you had to beat the Fab Five. Like you took, you literally took everybody's best shot, and you played the best teams, as opposed to some teams. Just the benefit of the bracket, it opens up for you. Yeah, I mean, it it, uh, it did help us some, uh, Doug. I think our first championship, we we were a three seed, I believe, and and I think Ohio State, which was the one, they had Jimmy Jackson, really really good team, really great record. Uh, you know, they unexpectedly lost, I believe, to St. John's and. And even in early in that tournament, it gave us, you know, more confidence, got more momentum. We, you know, we, we cruised through St. John's and, and UConn that year. And, and then, uh, like I said, we, we were playing at a really high level going into that UNLV game. So it did help. There, there are always some cases where, you know, you, you'll get a break, you know, that'll go your way in the tournament, but you can never, you know, project, you know, where it's going to come from. Last thing, Bobby Hurley joining us. Uh, two-time national championship player, played in three Final Fours, and, of course, the head coach of Arizona State. They started out the year 13-0, lost to Syracuse in the NCAA tournament. Kind enough to spend some time this year on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Um, do you you going to watch? Like, you you played in it so many times. You have your own team. You have your family. It's not Duke. I don't know if these coaches you're particularly close to. Like, you going to watch? Am I going to watch the Final Four? Yeah, because, I mean, you're still – I know how big a competitor you are. I know there's part of you that's like, dude, we should still be playing. Yeah, I mean, look, I couldn't watch the games really for like three days. And the first weekend is always my favorite part, just uh, whether I'm hopefully competing in it or, you know, if I'm watching from the fans' perspective. But it's uh, – so it was tough. I watched my brother's game, uh, his first-round game. I watched uh, Buffalo versus Arizona because I had a vested interest in both of those games. But otherwise, I, it was hard for me to watch. I just felt like, you know, again, we were we were right there in a close game. Uh, couldn't execute, making up plays to, to defeat Syracuse. And we had a you know, 49-42 lead with seven minutes left. And, and that, uh, that was a race. So you, you always feel like you have regret and, and you wonder where you could have, uh, you know, done one or two more things to try and move on and, and then to even see Syracuse play as well as they did in subsequent rounds, it, uh, it's kind of bittersweet. But uh, you know, we're just now regrouping, Doug, and you gotta you gotta forge ahead. And we appreciate that we you know made the tournament this year for the first time and uh, in a couple of years. And now we're, we're looking to build off that. Hey, there's worse things than recovering in the spring in uh, in in Tempe, right? There's there there are there are worse things in the world than that. 
Bobby, look forward you to seeing, right. seeing you hopefully in San Antonio. Thanks so much for sharing your thoughts. Of course, that always brings back great memories of you as a player and now watching you as a coach. We appreciate it. All right, absolutely. Let's meet up, Doug, Let, in San Antonio. Let's do oh. it. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen and with resi priority notify and global dining access through my amex platinum card Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.